Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Rick Morton. All right, welcome again to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Rick Morton joining you today with my co-host, Phil Dark. Phil, how are you, buddy? I'm doing real well. Doing real well. You know, those of you out there, you have no idea what goes into making a podcast. And just as we were getting ready to record this episode, which we're so excited to get out to you, we couldn't even record because Mac keeps changing all kinds of things. And GarageBand, for those of you who record on GarageBand, it's not as easy as you might expect sometimes. So anyway, folks, we are excited today. That was just bonus coverage for you out there. If you're frustrated with us, now you know that you're not alone. So we are here I, to serve. Phil, I don't know if I don't know if Tim Cook actually listens to our podcast. I'm gonna say that he probably doesn't. But yeah. Tim, if you're out there for the love, please quit changing GarageBand. Yeah, quit changing everything for that matter. <laughs> like you know, there's just so many things. I like change, but you know, change when it's necessary, needed change is good. Uh, change for change's sake. Sometimes you know. You, you kind of outthink yourself sometimes. Anyway, that's a great <laughs> lesson for just orphan care in general. You know, we got to, we, that wasn't, that wasn't even planned. That's bonus coverage, folks. But today we are, we are here to serve, as I said, and uh, I'm excited for today. How about, how about you, Rick? How are you doing? Man, absolutely. Uh, got an exciting, uh, exciting interview with a great guest that uh, we know and love and uh, can't wait to, can't wait to get into it. So, uh, why don't you tell us about who's on today? Yeah, so this uh, this guest you have heard before. I've interviewed him before on this show. I'm very excited to get him on again. And the reason we have him on again is because he's got a great new book that he wrote with his wife. Uh, this man is Mike Berry, and the book is Honestly Adoption. And so, as I said, he wrote it with his wife, Kristen. They do the podcast together. Many of you uh, I know from talking with you out there, many of our listeners listened to Mike and Kristen's podcast as well fantastic podcast that does talk about adoption and foster care and everything that uh, goes on with that this book is actually a, a it's it's a really good book you know don't let it uh you know fool you that uh, they asked me to endorse it so i did endorse it so i, I like to tell people i helped write the book but because uh, you know i'm in there but you know, what do you think about that, Rick? Does that? Count? I think you don't understand the concept of endorsing a book. No? That okay. that's kind of what I think. Cause, okay. Because you didn't you didn't write it, Phil. You wrote a paragraph to tell people to read it. Okay. Well, you know, you know, I was just trying to get, you know boost my resume, <laughs> and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So you know, you never know. You never know. I thought I'd give it a shot. But folks, Mike's going to tell us about it in this interview. I I just look forward to getting these interviews out to you folks as I talk about all the time that I learned so much for them from them and I have no doubt that you guys out there are learning a bunch from these interviews as well so please let us know what you're learning let us know uh, what you feel about the show through rating and, and reviewing the podcast from asking us questions whether it's on Facebook whether it's via email um, through the comment section of, of the of the uh, podcast I just uh, you know very much get excited when I see the engagement from you folks out there, the conversations that you're having. Share them with us because it's something that we definitely read and we definitely take to heart. So without any more from me and Rick right now, I'm sure so many of you out there right now are saying, Phil, just stop talking and let us listen to Mike Berry. So that's what I'm going to do right now. 
Well, Mike Barry, it is so good to have you back on the Think Orphan Podcast. Yeah, man, it is so good to be back. Thank you so much for having me. So what brings you back, as we'll share a lot more about it during this uh, during this conversation, is you got a new book out. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited for the release because I was able to get a little sneak preview of it. Now, finally, other people are able to learn from it and be able to uh, just glean from the wisdom that you and Kristen have have gained over your uh, lives and over your experiences. And so yeah. can you just uh, share a little bit about the book called Honestly Adoption and you know why you wrote it, what, what the, what the kind of quick uh, story of the book is? Sure, yeah. Well, I co-wrote, Kristen and I co-wrote it um, together. And, you know, really, the, the book itself, um, well, let me go back in history a little, or a little bit back in time um, to give you kind of the full scope. Um, and I'll do this as quickly as possible. But back in 2015, and I uh, wrote, we co-wrote a book that we self-published called uh, the Adoptive Parent Toolbox. And the the Adoptive Parent Toolbox was basically answers to as many questions as we could think of when it comes to adoption, when it comes to foster care. Uh, and basically we wrote that uh, as it was actually an answer to something we wish we would have had back in 2002 when we started the adoption journey. We had all these questions and not very many answers. In fact, oftentimes we often say it like this, that it was like we were knocking on a door over and over again and nobody was answering. And so we wrote that book, The Adoptive Parent Toolbox, which um, some of your listeners may have a copy uh, collecting dust on a shelf somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I we I might, wrote it. Actually, you so, might, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you for your support. <laughs> uh, so just kidding. Um, so I remember looking at that book when it, when it showed up. And again, we self-published it. We self-edited it. It was, it was kind of, uh, it was awesome to write it because it was our first book. But it was also semi sort of exhausting because we did it all ourselves, right? And I remember looking at this book and thinking, this is just the beginning. Uh, this, this is going to, we're going to expound on this later on, someday. I remember having that thought. And fast forward um, 2018, uh, about a little early 2018, so we're talking like a year and a half ago, uh, I... Uh, we, I, my publisher, Harvest House, approaches myself and Kristen and says, we want you to co-write a book, and we want to title it after your podcast, and our podcast is called The Honestly Adoption Podcast, and we want it to be, and as we brainstormed with them, we decided, you know what, we want this to be uh, like this go-to resource for people who are in the pre-adoptive, pre-foster care phase of the journey, they're in the post adoption, foster care phase, or they're, they're veterans and they've been doing it for a long time and they just realize, oh my gosh, I have a lot of questions. I'm seeing some interesting behaviors from my child who I've had for 10 years in my care and they they were perfect for 10 years and all of a sudden things have changed. We wanted it to be like one of those books that you could just slide across the table to somebody and say, this is going to answer almost every question you have, um, we hope, right? So right. we decided, okay, so let's write this. And thus, uh, honestly, adoption answers to 101 questions about adoption and foster care came to be. And that I remember um, as we wrote it, thinking this is this was the the thought that I had in 2015 come to fruition, that uh, we wanted to create a book um, really based out of our own uh, journey 
and some of the answer it, it's basically a book that we wish we would have had in 2002 you know all these questions um I didn't understand how trauma history impacts present behaviors. I didn't understand how trauma changes the brain. I didn't know the importance of, of fostering healthy relationships with birth family members, you know, so on and so forth. That's what this, that's where this book came from. So, um, it's really, it's really out of our own pain and our own wishing, I should say, um, we, that we had a resource like this, that this book comes to us. Right. And what's the, Ideal time for someone reading this book is it pre-adoptive, post-adoptive? People have been doing it for a long time. Is there a particular target audience that you guys thought of when you wrote the book, or is it more of a general book for anyone interested in adoption or knows yeah. people interested in adoption? You know, it's funny uh, as an online marketer. Uh, you know, I, I, we run an online company, um, and we, we we talk a lot with our team about target audience. Like, who's the target audience? Who's the avatar? Right? And usually, we, you want it to be like a singular person, um, depending on what product you're creating. And this book actually has three different avatars. Uh -oh. <laughs> it's like, uh -oh. a, yeah, it's like the trifecta: three different uh, target audiences, which you just said, and that is the person who is thinking about uh, going on this journey, thinking about adoption, thinking about fostering the person who is, uh, has already begun this journey and realizes I have a lot of questions and I need some answers. And even the person who has been doing this for years, like me, like I'm, mm -hmm. I've been, I started the adoption journey in 2002 and um, that's, that's 17 years now. Even for me in this day and age, a person like me who's been doing this for as long as I have, this book will benefit that person. And, and it's written in such a way where you, you don't necessarily you – may you may open it and say, you know what? This section doesn't apply to me, but this section over here does. Right. So it could be for the person that decides I need a book that just answers, that, that gives me insight to the whole journey, right? Yep. And most of the journey. Uh, that then they they open this book, read it cover to cover, um, and it's it's a helpful resource. But it could be the person that's like, you know what, I have a question when it comes to attachment, when it comes to co-regulation strategies. They open this book, find the section, and that relates to them. So right. it 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 really if it really targets three different audience members. Yeah, the thing I really liked about it is you know like you just said it it you can go in and just pick that question and you have the table yeah. of contents has the questions. It's not like the books often that you pick up and they have the chapter on whatever and they have all the questions in it. You actually have the questions in the table of contents, which is great yeah. from the standpoint of being able to just get, use it as a resource. As you said, it's also not a, an exhaustive resource on these issues, right? It's just a start. And I think what it yeah. does is it reminds us and it's something I actually had a conversation this morning. I had a phone call and we were talking about, this space, this orphan care, that you know, entire massive thing that we do um, on a on a daily basis. And you and I do it full time, and I think you'll. Yeah. I'm assuming you'll agree with me on this. That it seems like every answer we come up with, and in, in whatever it is, there's about 50 questions behind it, right? And oh, absolutely. I think that this book is another. You know, there's questions behind these questions, right? There's 101 of them, and yeah. there's thousands and thousands of questions out there. Um, but hopefully what this will do, and this is, you know, just from me, as I read it, as I'm thinking through what will, you know, what a great resource this is, it'll cause people to go to those other resources too. Cause each of these questions could be a book, 
right? You know, so, yeah. and yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you feel the same, but the, I'd love to hear you kind of expound on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I definitely um, want to say when it comes to this book, you know, and when it comes to everything we do um, as, as a company, as a, uh, an outreach, um, whatever you, whatever you want to say in that uh, regard, we know that we are not going to answer every single question. We know that, that there's all, like you said, there's always going to be a question over the question, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be that way. And that's because foster care and adoption are messy, yeah. uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, there, there's, there's things that you did that you thought, Oh, I, I should have seen that coming, but I didn't see it coming. There's, um, there's seasons that you did not anticipate. I mean, we're in one of those, um, personally, um, uh, we had, you know, I, I wouldn't say we had a honeymoon phase with the adoption journey or foster care journey. Um, but we did, we adopted our, our firstborn daughter. We had her for two years before we started into foster care and she was literally the perfect baby. You know, she slept through the night at three months old. Um, she never, she was, she was very well adjusted. So it seems, so it seemed, and, and, you know, it, it, it wasn't until years later, um, not with her, but with other, some of our other children that we, we suddenly realized, oh, wow, we're noticing, noticing some things that catch us by surprise, that caught us by surprise that we should have known, Mm -hmm. but we were caught off guard, you know, and we realized we've got to go back to the drawing board on some things. So all that to say, that is really the journey. So you can't, even with a book like this, you can't answer everything. Um, but you know, I, and the chapters are very short also because it's 101, it's 101 chapters. It's like, you know, I'm not Tolkien for crying out loud. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, we're going to get to the point on this, but I really, I really think that, um, what it does, and we do this in the book, we do point to other places, other resources. We're big advocates of saying, you know what, we don't have the answer to that, but, um, Karen Purvis, the Karen, uh, Karen, what, what Karen Purvis did through her work gives a lot of answers. You should check right. out her videos on YouTube. You know, um, Ryan and Kayla North have one big happy home and they do a lot of trust-based, uh, you know, training with parents. You should check them out. So I do, I, I definitely agree with you on this, um, completely that this book is meant to be a handbook, mm-hmm. but it, it's also, it's also got a lot of arrows pointing out of it. Like, go here, do this, think about this, consider this, you know. Right. Uh, and we, we're really big fans of, of doing that kind of work because we're really all in this together. And I'm not going to start the the High School Musical um, theme oh, song. Be so much you know? fun. Can you wouldn't, do that, that? wouldn't that be great? That'd no, be, it's, not, it. it's not, this kind, not that kind of show. All right, not all that right. kind of show. I mean, so. we can do it. We're flexible. <laughs> we're flexible. We could. Maybe next time. Okay. Next time. Right. No guarantees, though. Yeah. So yeah, I do think that I agree with you. I think that that's a really good way to summarize it. Um, and, and it definitely, it, it begins to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It begins to like pique the interest in some areas. Like it's, it's not exhaustive. You can't be exhaustive when it comes to understanding trauma and trauma right. history. Right. You know, it's, it's got to be an arrow, um, the catalyst and then the arrow. Yeah. And I think that like you said it's, 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 a. Uh... It's touching on these issues, and sometimes just the question alone raises it in your head. Like I didn't even know about that, let alone right. understand it. You know, so yeah. we don't know what we don't know, and so that's why I think even reading the questions will be so helpful for adoptive parents, for um, you know, uh, other people that love people who have adopted or are adopting as well, to be able to read it and understand these issues. Just on a really, you know, 
it's a surface level to a certain extent, but you go in deeper than the surface on these things too in those couple pages. You know, you mentioned uh, the que- how each chapter is, uh, and I, I hope I didn't jump ahead on on what you had you had planned to ask me about this, but I will I will get into this a little bit. Um, it's interesting that you bring up how each chapter is a question. It poses a question. The title of the chapter mm-hmm. is a question. Um, I was asked recently where we came up with uh, all of these questions, and we had a lot. You know, personally, a lot of these questions came from our own journey. But one of the things that we we did. Uh, a year and a half ago, as we began writing this book, was we actually surveyed our audience, our blog, our podcast mm. audience, uh, and we asked them, we basically said, hey, help us write our next book. This is the next book that we're writing. It's it's a it's a book filled with question and answers. It's a big Q&A book, um, basically. And so I would say 90% of the questions we have in this book are from readers, are from listeners, That's and great. from their own experience. And we had about 600 responses, uh, which was, our, our team was like, yay, thank you guys, <laughs> because <laughs> our team, we had to spend like, you know, a couple of months going through every question and saying, okay, there's some crossover here. This is a similar question, you know. So, you know, when you talk about uh, uh, adoption relationships in part two, we talk about, you know, um, you know, relating to birth family members, having a positive relationship with um, a birth mom or birth dad, um, you know, how to build a healthy relationship with the child, the, the child you're caring for, the child you've adopted. There was a lot of responses with that, right? right? So we had to spend all this time condensing it down. Um, and and that points to what we, we were just talking about. There is still questions, you know, yep. after you answer the question. So, so that's that's kind of a unique tidbit about uh, how the book is structured. Um, you know, we have, uh, eight different parts to the book. Yep. Um, and I said, like I said, 90% of the responses were from adoptive and foster parents. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, and it's, it's very apparent. These aren't just questions that you're pulling out of the blue. They're, they're questions that are real questions, you know, that are very specific at times as well. Like in the trauma section, yeah. you have, what should I do if our child is downloading por- pornography? What should I do yeah. when my teen displays risky behavior? What should I do? How should I handle an older child's tantrum in public? I mean, things like that that aren't like just generic things. These are specific things that people are dealing with. I mean, those sure. things, a lot of us that aren't adoptive parents will say, well, how do I deal that with my kid? But obviously it's in the context <laughs> yeah. of trauma, which is right, different, right. right? You know, in yeah. some ways, some ways the same, some ways it's different, right? So yeah. with... You know, before we get into the specifics of the book, I mean, we did a little bit there, but you know, I want to go in a little bit more on a couple of the sections. You know, you, as you said, you co-wrote this with uh, with Kristen. It's your, your second one together, right? Is that right? Your second one? Or yeah, did... if you include that, this, uh, yeah, the original the first Adoptive one. Yeah. Parent Toolbox, yeah. Of course I include that. It's, yeah. a, it's in a book form, <laughs> yeah, and you have your name true, on yeah. it, so it's your, yeah. it's, it's, it counts for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, for those out there who have never written a book with their their bride or their, oh you know, husband. Is it more like a uh, counseling session, uh, a fight, or a couple's getaway to write a book with your with your bride and your beloved? Yeah, I would say it's kind of a mixture of like a bar fight, uh, <laughs> uh, counseling session, 
legal separation. No, I'm totally kidding. That's <laughs> terrible. That's terrible. Um, no, it, it is very, it's very, very interesting. Kristen's going to be like, did you actually say bar fight? Yeah, right. Well, She'll you know, she's not here, me. so, That's you know, right. I can you say can whatever say what I want. Exactly, and it's right, so, because she's no, not she's, here. So Actually, no. yeah, she would actually question me on saying bar fight over legal separation. So, <laughs> <laughs> so hey, world, I promise, we have no problem. Right. We're, we're, yes. we're happily married Marriage is good, marriage days, is good. So, Let's yeah. preface it with that, right? Yes, there you go, yeah. So, I... It's interesting that you bring this up, because, and I knew it was. I could tell you were you were going this direction because we've had several people ask us that. Um, now, the thing you need to know is that Kristen and I are both first children. Mm. Like growing up, we were both the oldest growing up, and and if if there's any oldest children uh, out there, adults now, of course, but you were the oldest child growing up in your house, you know how this goes. It's your sandbox, it's your toys, and you say who plays in the sandbox and which toys you play with and how long you play in the sandbox, right? So you, the two of you get married, and it is in a very, it's a very interesting dance, right, mm. in life in general. But then you decide to do something that is unbelievably rewarding but also unbelievably exhausting, um, uh, you know, a full year of an emotional roller coaster as writing a book is. As you know, Phil, it's not... It's not just, oh, we write a book over three weeks or so, and bam, it's done. It's not easy. It's hard. Um, it was an interesting journey to do this with her because even though we did the the self-published title um, back in 2014, 2015, this was a different experience because of the way we approached it because, number one, um, we, are, we, we have a lot more perspective than we did five years ago. Um, and we, some, sometimes we have different perspectives. So, and we also discovered how different our work styles are. I am a very, I'm very much a quiet, um, processor. So I will, the way that I work through content and I develop content is I want to be alone by myself mm -hmm. with noise canceling headphones on. And I want to think about it while I'm listening to, you know, some really introspective music, right. shut away from the world, Right. Um, Kristen, on the other hand, is a very verbal processor. Mm -hmm. So she wants to, she, she thrives from talking about it. So anytime she's preparing a keynote or she's preparing, she's writing an article or a blog post or a book, um, she fills up and she gains perspective by verbally processing it. And I don't do that. So we've really had to learn and this, this writing this book helped us, um, gain a, a healthy, respect and understanding for how each of us process, how the other person processes and how we develop content. And there were dark days, of course, there were hard days, um, mostly because um, because we we both bring very strong perspectives on some of these topics right. and we're both very much immersed in the training and the equipping of parents when it comes to these topics. And we, we do agree on, I would say 97% mm -hmm. of the content we talk about in this book, the content we talk about our, on our podcast and our online courses and whatnot. But we really, this was a really good exercise for us, which was really good because we're, we're co-writing another book due out in 2020, um, on a different, uh, related topic, but different adoption, mm -hmm. foster care. So all that to say it, it was, I would not say <laughs> I would never advise writing a book um, with your spouse uh, or significant other if you all are having trouble 
getting along in the first place, you know, uh, yeah. like if it, and it could be the smallest things. Like if you guys can't get along on who does like household chores and who, right. you know, who does what with the kids, it's like, ah, you probably shouldn't write a book with, mm-hmm. with one another. But it, it was, it was, it was healthy and it was also challenging. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to do it again. We're already starting our, our uh, writing the next book again. So, yeah. Um, I think going through that process with this book helped me prepare for the next book. Absolutely. I mean, what I you, had to prepare more than she did because I'm the I'm the hot mess. Way more. Kristen's way smarter, sure. way more focused, way more dialed in than I am. And I'm not just doing the typical guy thing that always you know says like, oh, she's I married up. I really did. She is super smart. Like I default to her. I default to her. I defer to her on a lot of things. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? Right. Because she just has this deep deep wisdom. That's great. And I think what you talked about there with understanding each other is critical for anything, right? I mean, that's, that's not just writing a book, that's doing life together where understanding the personalities. I mean, that's something we actually train on in a lot of the training we do around the world is the personality assessments to understand each other will help you to work together, will help you to get along. And you're basically describing the difference between a uh, outgoing person and a reserved person with verbal processing. I'm a verbal processor as well, right? So yeah. people focused outgoing and she's you know, probably similar to me in that where she's going to process everything verbally and it drives people nuts who don't want to process verbally. But to understand <laughs> that because n- neither of you are going to change, right? You can probably go work in a library all day long whereas I couldn't. And so those are yeah. something to understand. I think it's critical in the work we do. It's critical in parenting. It's critical in marriages to understand that we're all wired very differently if you try to impose your way on them it'll never work right and so to understand sure. that so that's that's cool that's really cool that's that's uh kind of what i expected in the answer but uh um it was interesting to to hear how it how it kind of played out so so now yeah. we could talk about the finished product a little bit more um the the book itself as we've talked about has a lot of questions that I will tell you the parts that really stuck out to me, not because the other parts weren't great and had a ton of information that I know people will dive into and just really understand how they can parent their kids better, how they can love their kids better, how they can understand and create safety plans and get these other things. But the two that really stuck out to me were the self-care part and the adoptee perspective section. So you have two at the the end of the book, um, but not because they're not as important. But the self-care, I think, is one that people neglect way too often. And yeah. we also, you know, neglect to see it from the adoptee's perspective a lot of times. Um, and I can't tell you how many adoptees I've talked to saying, how come at CAFO we don't have more adoptees speak from the you know, platform? How come we don't have more adoptees doing breakouts and conversations and what whatnot? And I think it's so, it's, it's, it's a fantastic question um, yeah. that you guys, fortunately, are having the adoptees answer some questions at the end and then also yeah. focusing on how we can practice self-care well. So just you know, talk a little bit about that, but also, you know, what's your favorite part of the book if you have one? And I know that's like saying what's yeah, your favorite kid, yeah. but you know, yeah. kind of as you, as you do it, maybe in this season of your life, like what one is speaking to you the most as an adoptive parent, um, you know, about everything. And just, yeah, I'd just like to hear you from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, anybody who has, has seen the, the official book trailer, um, that that's out on this book. Um, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it because one of the things that we, that our producer, Matt and my wife and our videographer came up with in writing the, the script for this is, is that, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, and I hadn't even thought about it until they brought it up and, and I'm like, yeah, definitely. 
um, was making the the video the focus of the video was mostly on adoptees. Um, in fact, if you if you've seen the video, you know that that we that it's this large gathering of all these families, and the video begins with actual adoptees. Some of them are my kids, basically speaking to parents and saying, I need you to understand that my heart broke when I lost my first family. I need you to understand that sometimes I'm afraid and it, 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 it affects the way I behave. And it's so, it's so gripping. I mean, when I watched the first, uh, the first, uh, cut of this trailer, I was in tears because we are passionate about, um, about illuminating the tri- the adoption triad. Um, our company is focused on uh, the our company, which is the Honestly Adoption Company, focuses on equipping and encouraging, training and mentoring foster and adoptive parents with the goal to make them the best parent possible. Right? It's not to help them fix their kids, or it's not to you know teach them how to how to discipline their kids better. It's not any of that. It's to help them become the best version of themselves, the best parent possible. But along with that, we also recognize that you cannot talk about that if you're not talking, if you're not shining a light on birth families, first families, and also adoptees. So that's the triad right there, the parent, the, the birth families, the adoptee. And so the, the final section of this book, all of those questions, and there are seven questions, are all answered by adoptees actual adoptees that we sat down and interviewed because if you're going to write a book that answers as many questions as possible when it comes to the foster and adoptive journey, you cannot neglect the voices of adoptees, the voices of children who are in in foster care because this journey impacts them the most. Mm. You know, they, they, they come to us um, with a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And a lot of times we don't, we as parents don't understand that. And there's a lot of reasons why we don't understand that. We actually address some of that in the book. Um, you know, we often have this misconception that a child is a blank slate when they, when they move to a new foster home or when they, we've adopted them out of the orphanage, like, oh, they get to, they're hitting the reset button, right? That is so not true. And to, to bring that into perspective and shine this, this, this bright spotlight on adoptees and say, and basically say, we hear you, we see you and your perspective is valuable. We value your perspective. That's the reason why we ended this book intentionally with adoptees answering. That's the reason why in the, in the video trailer for the book. Um, and if you haven't seen that trailer, you can go over to honestlyadoptionbook.com and watch it there. Um, that's where, that's where it's at. But in the trailer, that's why it is mostly, the perspective of adoptees, uh, because we think that's vi- that's so incredibly valuable, um, you know. And you you mentioned self care. Um, self care is is so as you said so often neglected, um, and I think it's neglected because I've thought a lot about this because for years we neglected it too, and we still struggle with that at times. But I think the reason why it's neglected is that I think we've we we have this misconception that that we have to like step outside of this journey to care for ourselves, which may sound really weird to some people, but it's kind of one of those deals where you, where you, you know, you ever, if you've ever envisioned your future, you you thought, Oh, okay, well when my kids grow up, you know, and my, it's just my wife and I, it's just my spouse and I, um, we're going to like travel to Europe, you know, we're going to do that someday. 
right? We all have mm-hmm. those thoughts. Like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on an Australian outback, you know, escapade, whatever you want to call it. Um, once everybody's in college, right? We have those like someday yep. visions, right? I think we do that with the adoption journey. I think we do that with a parenting journey. We think, okay, if I could just get through this season, then someday yep. I'm gonna fill in the blank, right? Then someday I'm gonna, you know, take care of myself. I'm gonna start exercising. You know, someday I'm going to start saving more money, whatever it is. I think we do that with self-care. We think, we realize, oh my gosh, I need to sleep better. I need to sleep more, right? I need to exercise. I need to, I need to do something that gives, that fills me up, something for me, which I know sounds selfish, but self-care is not selfish, right? It's, we often relate it to the oxygen mask, the airplane oxygen mask, what we call the oxygen mask philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. The flight attendant says in the event of change in cabin pressure, oxygen mask will deploy. And if you are with small children, Make sure you put your mask on first and then put the child's mask on. Well, w- before we had kids, when we thought we knew it all about parenting, we would think, oh, my gosh, there's no way. I'm always going to put my kid's mask on first, right. right? Because I need to that's – my, that's my focus. That's my goal. And, yes, you do need to take care of your children, right? But if you're not taking care of yourself first, then what – are you really able to fully care for the child? So if you don't put your oxygen mask on first and you pass out, and the child is incapable of figuring out how to put the, the mask on themselves, you both are at risk. Right. You, both, you both could be dead. You both could suffocate. And self-care, I think oftentimes we get into this mode of thinking, well, someday I'm going to do that. But right now I have, to do, I have to pour everything I've got into my kids and my, my home and my family. And yes, you do need to pour a lot of what you've got into, the, into your children because that's our job as parents. But unless you're taking time intentionally to do that for yourselves, to care for yourselves, to re- to fill up, to f- fuel up, then you are not able to fully pour into your child. Now, as I said, we get to that, we get to these, we have these ideas like, well, it's going to be someday. You've got to figure out, you cannot step away from this journey. I realize that. You cannot just say, hey, I'm leaving for a weekend and I'm going to Morocco and it's going to be amazing and I'll see you when I get back. We can't do that, right? If you can do that, that's awesome. You should do it. But the reality is we can't just say, we can't just hit the pause button on this journey and say, okay, now I'm going to go self-care for a couple of days, right? We have therapy appointments. We have IEP meetings. We have um, pediatrician appointments. We have case uh, manager, caseworker visits. You know, you name it. We've got it. So the important thing is figuring out how to take care of yourself on the journey, in the middle of the journey. And so some of our, our very practical principles are every day or every week, intentionally look at your calendar and decide here is a chunk of time after the kids get on the bus um, that I have a half hour and I'm going to spend a half hour reading a book. And I'm not going to do another, another load of laundry. I'm not going to run an errand. I'm not going to check email. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Being intentional with our schedule and saying, okay, I only have 15 minutes. So for 15 minutes, I'm going to read. That's what I do every day. I get, up at, I get up before everybody else, and the first part of my day is spent reading mm-hmm. because that's how I fill up. Right Now, I can't do that. I can't just say, hey, I'm going to spend the rest of the day reading because I'm a parent and I have a responsibility. So I, ha- I have to do this in the middle of the journey. And that's really why um, we wanted to take, we wanted to answer some questions on self-care, not just like for us personally, but also like helping our kids practice self-care, caring for our marriage, 
you know, one of the things um, my wife talks about, uh, which I think was really, I can't, we can't believe that this was in there when we read the manuscript in, in chapter uh, 93 in question 93, she said, we, we, she's talking about uh, making the most of our date nights. And Mm -hmm. I think in the book, she actually talks about making out in the back of a movie theater with your And I was like, wow, that actually made it in the manuscript. That's amazing, right? (laughs) So it's in there, people. It's in there. So all that to say, I just, we're passionate about that. As we are also passionate about, I'm kind of answering two things here, but we're passionate about self-care. We're passionate about adoptee perspectives and magnifying the triad. You know, parents, birth families, adoptees, um, so yeah, and you asked another question. I can't remember what it was. That's right. I just said, do you have a favorite part of the book? But, favorite part, yeah, yeah. Um, I do, I do, and it's actually the biggest section in this book. Um, man, I feel like I've been going a mile a minute, but I have so much to say about yeah. this. I'm excited about this book, but the biggest section in this book is part five, and it's uh, it's simply entitled trauma, mm-hmm. and it and they are questions about your child's trauma, and, and the reason why this is my favorite part is that for years. When I was on this journey, I totally misunderstood how my child's trauma history affects their present behavior. In fact, in a lot of situations over the years, and I cringe to even say this, I would actually look at my child and think, well, you're just being a bad kid and you just want to ruin things for everybody else, right? And I hadn't, I, I, I didn't know that, that that was actually a window into their past trauma, that their present behavior was actually an indication of something they went through in the past that was causing them to be afraid, to feel anxious, to feel overwhelmed, uh, to feel nervous. And I responded the wrong way for so many years to that. And when I finally realized, oh, actually, while I th- while it appears that this child is just t- completely out of control and just wants to pester his brothers and sisters, Actually, he's feeling really nervous because what happened to him in the past has caused him to be afraid of certain things, sights, smells, um, you know, uh, sounds, causes him to react in a, in, a, in a way. And when I really finally gained that understanding of how trauma changes the brain and how it affects present behavior, it changed everything for me. Mm. It changed how I respond. Now, I don't always respond the right way, right, because I'm a human being, but I've become unbelievably passionate, both of us have, in equipping and training parents to understand this is how trauma has changed your brain, because when has changed your child's brain, how this is why they function differently. This is why they react in certain ways that may not make sense to you, but it makes perfect sense to them. Actually, sometimes it doesn't even make sense to them, right? So that became the biggest section in this book. Um, because we have a lot to say on this because this transformed gaining a working understanding, a working knowledge of how trauma changes the brain transformed our journey. Yeah. So hands down, that's my favorite part of the book. Yeah. It's a, it's a great, great section. They're all, they're all fantastic. It goes just to give you guys a little more of a teaser. The first part is adoption conversations. Part two, adoption relationships. The third is attachment parenting four, empowering children, five, trauma, six, safety plan, seven, self-care, and eight is adoptee perspectives. And so folks, you know, I have no doubt that if you're at all a part of this journey, um, it will be very impactful for you. It will be something that you will learn things from. It will pique your interest on others, as as Mike uh, was saying. Um, 
as as we kind of finish up, there's a couple more questions. And if we, if you could just say real quick, just when a reader finishes reading the book or even a part of the book, as you said, just picking and choosing different questions, what do you hope they'll think and feel after they read it? You know, I hope that they feel enlightenment, that they feel like, um, you know, I know we overuse this term in this day and age, but they've had a, like an aha moment or their door or a light bulb has gone off for them. And it may not be a new discovery. It may just be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That that makes perfect sense. And the reason I say that goes back to what I just said, that that that's that's really what's happened for us over the last five years in particular on this journey. Um, and it's changed the way we've connected with our kids. It's changed the way we've, we've related to them and built relationships with them. Um, and we still have those light bulb moments. So one of the, one of the ways I hope that people respond to this book is they read it and they think, oh my gosh, yes, that's, that's what I've been looking for. Like that makes sense. It's, it's like almost light bulb going off in their mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's what all of us kind of feel and as we write things, as we do podcasts, as whatever, it's just that it will yeah. encourage, it will enlighten, it will it'll challenge people to, to think differently or think better about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, the last question, speaking of reading, you say you read every day, you also watch stuff, I know, and you listen to things, but... What have you what have you read, watched, or listened to, you know, recently that has really impacted you and why? You know, I I uh I read a lot of books throughout the year. Um, uh, but one of the books that I'm really, really fascinated with is a book called Trauma Stewardship. And uh it it's a book written basically it's written for um you know, first responders and and people who work in shelters and and you know, not necessarily. They, she does the, the author uh, who is um, uh, Laura Van Der Noot Lipsky. I don't know. I don't, that may be right. I may have just butchered her name. Let's just say Laura Laura Lipsky is her name. Um, the book is called Trauma Stewardship: An Everyday Guide to Caring for Self While Caring for Others. She very lightly scratches the surface when it comes to foster care and adoption, foster parents, adoptive parents, but. I love the book has really impacted me because it's helped me to step back and recognize secondary trauma yeah. um, to recognize like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I I didn't even realize I respond that way. I didn't even realize that I've be, it's become, for lack of a better way of saying it, desensitized or turned off to traumatic situations um, because I, I'm so immersed in this journey. Right. And uh, this book has really helped me dial into that and, and understand, oh yeah, secondary trauma is a real thing. And she, she does a lot in terms of, of helping you see that. So that's a book I highly recommend. Mm, that sounds great. I'm sure it'll help a lot of other people out there too. Yep. Well, Mike, thanks so much. Uh, I look forward to continuing our conversation, uh, in the future. Well, this is it for today, but, uh, thanks again for all you do. Thanks again for this, putting this book out with you and Kirsten, uh, Kirsten, my daughter's Kirsten. Kristen is your <laughs> wife. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, I just, uh, like I said, I look forward to seeing what this book will do, um, in the lives of yeah. many, many people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks again, Mike. Uh, folks out there, I imagine that did not disappoint. Mike uh, and Kristen both uh, wrote a great book with Honestly Adoption. And it really does answer these questions in ways that are tidbit, nugget-sized answers that really you can get a lot of information from. 
a very short amount of pages. So I, I really encourage this book for people out there uh, that uh, really are looking for advice from people who have been through it and are continuing to go through it. And as uh, Mike talked about in the, in the interview, as I mentioned as well, the one of the coolest parts of the book and something that is so much needed in our uh, society is really words and advice and answers from adoptees themselves. So, Rick, what do you think of the interview? Yeah, I uh, of course I love Mike and and love what they've done through uh, Confessions of an Adopted Parent and um, you know and, and through their through their podcast and blog and, and all the different you know different channels. Um, I think the thing that I really like about this book is is this is to me one of those books that you uh, you can really put on the shelf as a reference book. Um, it, it gives, um, really great insight into a lot of practical questions that, uh, that adoptive families ask. Um, we, you know, we've joked for years, Tony and I've joked for years about, uh, you know, releasing a book, something like orphanology, the rest of the story at some point. Right. And, and really, and truly, I feel like that's what, um, you know, that's what, what Mike and Kristen have done. Uh, I, I think they, uh, they've given, bite-sized manageable um, pieces of, of content. And one of the things I really love about how they address many of the topics, particularly some of the things, um, you know, dealing with the response to trauma is, is they give, they give a lot of, a lot of good examples. And, uh, and in a situation where that can be really hard to do in being too transparent with your kids and their stories and, and those kinds of things, I think they walk a great line of, um, of giving, you know, very, very specific kinds of examples and, and really handles to hang on to, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the questions that, that, that they address, um, and and so I you know I think it's I think it's really helpful. I think this is a book also that could be um, could be really helpful to prospective adoptive families. I think when you know one of the things we we find ourselves doing in ministry a lot is is trying to dispel the the sort of pie in the sky Pollyanna thinking of of some folks as they step toward adoption. And I think what they have done is to give a really um, clear and accurate picture of uh, the blessing of adoption and the you know the uh, and 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 I think they you know they they certainly show adoptive and adoption in a positive light but they're also truthful about where it's hard um, and they're truthful about the long term um, not just you know not just in the immediacy after and and so to come from uh, a couple of adoptive parents that have been at this for you know 16 17 years is uh it really resonates with me because it it you know they're they're speaking to the rawness of the journey at times yeah you know something that really to that point something that really encourages me every time i almost every time i i I can't say every because i can't think i don't want to use every because i could have had one instance where i didn't have this happen but it seems like every time i'm reading the books that have been written in the in the orphan care space there really is that rawness there is the honesty and vulnerability and transparency that i think comes with just really doing work that is kingdom driven you know and and people that are doing it in a way that is um really a heart that is really after what god is having them do it doesn't always happen that way but i feel that um 
that is something that is is definitely in this book. It was in your book. It was in the co-authors that were on In Pursuit. It's been on so many of the other books that are out there. That there is a, a humility that is part of this vulnerability where it's it's just a, look, we don't have it figured out. These are the lessons we've learned. Here are some tidbits of, of I, I, I hesitate to say even wisdom. It is wisdom, but it's not put out there as we have all the right answers so listen to us oh wise ones right it's not you know it doesn't read as a proverb or anything like that it reads as really like almost like a journal entry um where they're in this case they're answering questions of people so it'd really be like at a q a at a conference or something where they're just answering questions with a real and a rawness that comes uh i think just from that experience and from the confidence to know that it's okay not to know everything Right? It's okay not to have all the answers, and, and some of these answers have that written into them, really, is this is one answer for what could be a, a very you know, uh, ever-changing response. It's really a case-by-case basis on some of these things. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's a... Well, I, I was just, there's a line I, I wrote down, and, and I didn't write down a page number, but I remember this is early on in the book, um, something that they say. They say, when we honor the hard parts of this journey, um, we can also celebrate the deep beauty that lies in the perseverance of our children because they are what this is all about. And and one of the things that I, you know, that I deeply appreciate about um, about this book and, and about their work is that uh, that as adoptive parents, um, they they continue to make this about their children, about the, you know, about their kids' journeys, and and sometimes I think you know I, I grow weary of um, you know just some of the conferences and rhetoric and things and and all, and it's and it's adoptive parents that are that are only looking at this from their perspective and and not really fully seeing the you know the 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 journey and you know, the lingering hurt at times and, and the, you know, the difficulty of the journey for, um, you know, for our, our kids. And, and so, as you said earlier, um, you know, this is a book that doesn't fail to, to look at the journey of, you know, of adoptees. I think, you know, Mike even mentioned in there, and I would encourage uh, our, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this interview, if you haven't already, to go and look at the trailer that they've put together for the book because it, because in honesty, it really, it, it, it highlights the journey and, and the thoughts of adoptees, um, more than, more than families and, you know, and, and particularly parents who, you know, who parent these kids. And, and, um, and, and I, I think they, you know, they, they do, uh, they do a great job of, speaking into and informing us as parents but but reminding us that the point of our parenting is um our kids and ultimately leading our kids to you know to to know and and follow jesus and that's that's again something else that i um you know i think it's funny to read sometimes some of the reviews to things and and if you know if they really get hit anywhere in reviews it's Mm -hmm. it's that man these these people talk about jesus a lot (laughs) (laughs) and you know uh like hey that's okay like Mm -hmm. that's that's uh you know that's something that we love and something that we you know that, that we respect greatly and you know just thank them for their voice right 
you know, something else that this uh, this book really goes into. I mean, we talked talked about the trauma. We talked about the the adoptee perspective, which are fantastic. And the thing that Mike talked a little bit about as well that I I really appreciate. And you know, and this is obviously coming from, as you know, folks out there, if you've listened to any more than just this episode, you know that I'm not an adoptive parent or a foster parent. But you know, there is something in this book that I, I gleaned from a lot of these a lot of the stuff in the book. But one thing in particular is the self care part. You know, just any reminder that we need to take care of ourselves in the midst of these battles, um, and what that looks like and in and how to do that. Um, you know, Mike mentioned the one part about making out in the back of the the uh, movie theater. You know, I, I personally am not going to condone such terrible behavior that some people may do out there. But, you know, those are the things you got to date your wife. So if it just so happens that that happens sometime, you know, then it might. It just may happen. But no, there's so much more to it. I mean, obviously, that was something that he said. I can't believe that made it through the edits. Um, And uh, but those are the things that, again, it's real. It's something that isn't some airbrushed thing. It's something that, look, these are real issues. We burn out in life in different things. And the one thing that if we burn out in our parenting, if we burn out in, in loving our children, um, whether they're biological, whether they're adopted, whether they're fostered, happens all too often. And the ones that really get punished are the kids. Um, the adults, yes, as well, but that's, that's them doing it to themselves. But when the kids are having it done to them by parents who aren't taking care of themselves, uh, it, it's something that we really need to protect against. And that's what I really appreciate in this book. Um, you know, and it goes beyond the, you know, the analogy of the, the airplane with the oxygen mask coming down. That's, that's something we hear a lot, but that's a great little shtick thing that we talk about. But what does it really look like and what does it really mean in everyday life? That's what I love about this book is it really does go into some of the specifics and some of the actual um, examples that, that, often helps when you're looking at okay we understand we need to but how do we actually do it in the midst of a battle what does that look like yeah for sure compassion fatigue is real and uh you know that's uh it's it's incredible that they have have spoken as transparently as they have about the need for us to you know to stay healthy in order to in order to be who our kids need for sure all right, man. So we could talk about this a lot longer, but but right now, I think we're gonna we're gonna cut it off. Unless you have anything that you wanted to add that you just really needed to add, or you'd feel like you no, I, I, down I think I'm good. I, I would just okay. say go buy the book and yes. take a look at it if you haven't, because it's a it's a great book and it'll continue to serve you as a resource for for many many years into the future as an adoptive parent or uh, you know maybe even as a foster parent. Absolutely. So with that, we are going to roll into the recommendations. And, you know, both Rick and I have recommendations today. And these recommendations, you know, they they won't surprise you, Rick's recommendation, because again, I tipped it off last last episode. But, you know, my recommendation may, may come as a surprise to you, to you folks out there, because, you know, typically we're talking about such manly things between Rick and me. You know, we're talking about football and, and soccer and other things like that. Um, but, uh, today we, we have, Soccer. you said, you said manly things, Phil. Yes, exactly. Let's stick to football. Well, you know, Let's stick to football, the real football. So, um, that's, that's what we're talking about. So, but, uh, today, 
And it really is an honor of Mike because I, I remember it, whether it was the conversation, I can't remember if it was a conversation I had with Mike earlier or whether it was one of Andrew Schneidler about Mike, talking about musicals and talking about things that are, are really showing the sensitive side of us, as of, of us men. And uh, so that's what we're doing today. We're honoring that. So Rick, why don't you start us off? Yeah, you know, I I told uh, told our listeners on the last uh, last episode of the, of the podcast that I I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the the Downton Abbey movie, and uh, I, I would just say after having seen the movie, it didn't it didn't disappoint. Um, I I want to be really careful because I know that there are probably people that are out there listening who um, have not seen the movie. I haven't and, seen it either, Rick. And so I so be don't really, ruin it. For me. Yeah, but you but you haven't seen the show either, which you know is a little uh, it's a little pathetic, Phil. I'm like not, everybody I'm clearly in the world not woke. It but you. I'm clearly not woke. Yeah, well, you need to you need to get woke up yes. and go and 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 go watch this with your wife. She'll she'll appreciate it greatly. Okay. Um, but you know, so here's the thing. I, I think what what I would say is. Many times you you see a movie like this, particularly if you've watched the the BBC show and you go in anticipating that it might be a disappointment. And I will say that in in my humble opinion, the movie was not a disappointment. They further developed the characters that those of us that have listened to the show um, know and love. They used a really um, kind of. Uh, fun and interesting and creative story in the back, you know, kind of as kind of the backdrop in the fact that the royal family was going to make a visit. That's in the trailer for the movie, so I'm not giving anything away about that. But uh, but the the one plot twist that happens really early in the movie that kind of sets the tone for things is that uh, that the house staff. Uh, finds out that they are in fact not going to be able to serve the royal family because they bring their own chefs and attendants and people with them. And so mm. it's really kind of a, a fun intrigue to see the the personalities and the interaction of the characters that we've come to know and love as as they work through this idea of wanting to uh, you know wanting to serve, uh, the serve the family and and I think um, it's also a great look into um, a society that is transitioning and uh, and and it delves into some themes of um, caregiving and responsibility and tradition and looking out for the welfare of others all of those things are present um, in the movie and and are are things that you see, you know these these characters walk out, and so I would I would just encourage you if you are um, if you're a friend uh, a fan of period pieces if you enjoy um, historical drama this is uh, probably one of the best that you're going to find this year in the theaters and uh, and it builds well upon the TV series and so I would say uh, it's worth uh, it, it's worth your time to go grab a ticket and uh, and you know maybe even make this a you know, a date night film, um, which we did and we enjoyed it. Well, I'm going on a date tonight and I, I may go see this since, uh, there's really nothing else in the movie theater anyway, except abominable. <laughs> and you know, I don't think I'm going to go see that with my wife. So I don't know if she's going to want to, but I'm going to, I'm going to pitch it cause you just sold me on it. And I, I'm almost in tears here at, on the other side of this microphone. Mm-hmm. 
um, with your. The bad news review. is you're gonna have to watch. You're gonna have to watch five seasons uh, worth of Downton Abbey before you go. Tonight. I'll just watch and it and so fast forward. It's gonna be. I'll watch it and fast forward, <laughs> and that way I can. You mean I the can, way the, you mean the way people listen to us on the podcast? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Wow, yeah. Oh, I listen wow. to myself on the podcast. Actually, I fast forward your parts, and I listen to myself in, in half speed, just so I can really. Savor <laughs> you listen it. to yourself in half speed, that's just exactly so you right. can really savor it, don't you? Yep, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. right. I know that about that's you. That's exactly right. So I know that about you. So what do you what do you have? My my recommendation today is is a book. It's called Redeeming Love. It's by Francine Rivers. Interesting. They had a little. I you know as you folks know if you listen to the show at all, I listen to my books. Um, and, uh, so I, I'm very clear about that. So I try not to say I read a book. I say, listen to the book. Um, but, uh, one of the cool things about it is sometimes they interview the author and what I didn't realize about Francine Rivers, and some of you may know this is she was like a steamy romance novel writer before she became a Christian and then she became a Christian and she actually started then realizing like, I can't write these books anymore. And then she actually wrote a book after that that was a romance novel, but it was based on the story of uh, Hosea and uh, and Gomer. And so it was just a beautiful story about just the love of someone who's going to love no matter what. And um, and it's just really that redeeming love of, of, of God uh, in our lives and how the story of Hosea modeled that. Uh, and so this book does the same. It's set in the gold country. So it also is a period uh, piece, uh, historical, you know, it's not really historical fiction, but it, it does have some semblance of the gold rush uh, in California, which is another cool thing for me. It's based in Sacramento, uh, San Francisco, which is where I'm from. And so that's another little fun part. But uh, fantastic book. Uh, it really, really is. And so I, I, I highly recommend it, which I did not expect to do when I first started reading it. And as I told Rick before we started recording, the reason I did read it is my brother told me it was one of his favorite books ever. And I honestly was questioning, uh, you know, his wisdom and his, his discernment when he told me that. But now I can say gladly that uh, it's a very, very solid book. And I strongly recommend it. So with that, I just hope and pray, folks out there, that you take everything you learned today, uh, you use it, in some way to help you to love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.